What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Fundamentals with Fit. Today, we got a special guest, Mr. Prad Shaker, CEO of Skylight Health Group. Prad, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. Thanks. Awesome. I know there's a lot of people very interested to watch this video and hear about all the exciting things that are happening at Skylight. But let's start off. Tell us about the company. What is the company? What do you guys do for those investors that are unaware of Skylight right now? Yeah, so Skylight Health, we're a US-focused uh, healthcare services and technology company. Uh, we're, we provide primary care services uh, currently across 15, actually now 16 states uh, in the US market um, through both brick and mortar clinics, as well as sort of virtual care, uh, virtual telemedicine and remote patient monitoring services. Um, primarily operating in the insurable services sector in the US. Um, sort of graduating from, you know, today from a fee-based model to eventually being able to play within the value-based models in the U.S. But really, it's a, it's a business model that's, that's sort of a buy and build methodology. Um, you know, we come from a pretty, you know, a strong background in clinical practice management. We've worked for years helping other clinical practices get profitable and generate new revenue opportunities. And we've really seen sort of the opportunity to take this now ourselves and, you know, build Skylight Health as a practice that can as a platform that can you know, acquire uh, successfully small to medium-sized practices at great acquisition uh, multiples, uh, resulting in immediate you know, result for our shareholders, but really the true value is long-term, the kind of growth and value we can bring to these organizations to eventually create a much larger um, operating platform across the US. Awesome, okay, thank you. Thank you for introducing the company to those unaware. So we had a lot of questions that were written in from social media. I opened it up to those already invested, but I wanna talk about a couple of other things first. Tell us about the US healthcare opportunity you're currently looking at. Yeah, so, I mean, this is a multi-trillion dollar um, space that we play in. And, you know, healthcare hasn't really seen a lot of disruption in, in, in the past. And, and I think as we're starting to see a lot of the changes to the US healthcare environment, there certainly is you know, a, a big opportunity to sort of create a new based delivery model for healthcare. I mean, you're seeing it today with sort of the growth in telemedicine, um, you're seeing it with patient-centric care, um, you're seeing it with how you uh, sort of focus on sort of the broader trends of lowering costs while improving quality of care. So there's all these sort of, you know, opportunities that are starting to create themselves now, especially in a, in a, in a current and hopefully soon to be post-pandemic environment that I think is just going to be ripe for disruption. And so, you know, the way Skylight, the way we think about the U.S. market, you know, it's, first of all, it's a highly fragmented um, marketplace. And you've got over 70% of providers today that still operate independently, but largely due to the high cost of administration and burden of administration, you're seeing a lot of consolidation in this place. Um, the challenge is, is a lot of consolidation happens with larger health systems that tends to, you know, rid the practice of, you know, sort of the autonomy of the independence of the doctor, the quality of care of the patient. And this really creates an opportunity for Skylight to step in as sort of an alternative option um, for doctors and, and providers to partner with and, and, and to become part of the Skylight Health model where we can say, hey, you know what, you can keep your level of independence, you keep your autonomy of care, but look, we'll bring to you all the benefits of scale that you would have otherwise looked for these larger organizations with. And that could mean capacity, people, services, um, and really kind of, you know, work together to create, you know, community-based approach to healthcare, almost the way that healthcare was meant to be delivered, um, but now powered with technology and powered with sort of improvement of delivery of services. Um, so okay, so... 
it sounds fantastic. What about the competition, the competitive landscape? Like I, I know of DOC, I know of Teladoc, like tell us about this. Yeah, I mean, look, first of all, we're US focused, right? And you know, to the other Canadian companies uh, based out of here, and today we saw a big acquisition by one of the Canadian names, Well, which you know, to me just, I, I think what it does is it just shines a, a, a greater spotlight on the US opportunities and, and sort of the need for Canadian companies to move to the US. And, and look, let's let's be honest, we've been there for the past five years. We've been building the infrastructure and we've been laying the foundation to be able to capitalize in this marketplace. We've been seeing it for a long time and have recognized the growth potential in this market space. I mean, it is far greater from a scale and size potential, both revenue as well as fundamental. Um, you know, from a competitor standpoint, there's so many avenues in healthcare, right? I mean, you can have employer-based healthcare, which is really where sort of the teledocs of the world play within. Um, you can have payer-based healthcare, which is where Skylight plays within. And, you know, there's two comparable companies today, I'd say, that are more closely aligned with, with our model. One is, um, well, only the two only public names today would be Oak Street Health, which is OSH, and uh, One Medical, O-N-E-M. Again, both very different companies, but I mean, if you think about their operations, it's brick and mortar style businesses powered by technology, providing primary care services to different segments of the population. I mean, both companies are probably generating, I, I know Oak Street this year will probably do close to about a billion in revenue US um, and they trade at about a 13 or $14 billion market cap. I mean, both companies are well north of 13 times multiple. So in terms of competition as consolidators, in terms of uh, corporations like us that are spanning across the entire demographic of patient base in the US landscape, there really isn't any other public comparable place similar to Skyline Health. Um, privately, there might be a few companies, but again, Skylight offers the benefit of having access to call it a lower form of currency, equ uh, equity capital markets, and really a platform that's designed for aggressive growth by consolidation and uh, accretion of value over time. Awesome. Awesome. So one of the ways to create growth in the actual stock price is getting onto a major exchange. You guys have talked about the NASDAQ listing, which actually ended up being the number one written in question. So tell us about the NASDAQ listing. Yeah, so it, you're right. There's certainly we need to we need to um, you know identify where our market is, right? And and from a business perspective, we're we're operating in the U.S. and and we're largely deriving value from growth and business in the U.S. And so when we think about where we want to play from an investor standpoint, you know there are um, the primary care, whether you call it sort of physician management space or sort of healthcare consolidation space, it is it is a market that's well understood by U.S. institutional healthcare investors. And you know for the past several months, we've had the opportunity to work with. Uh, banks in the U.S. as well as our own uh, contacts to go around and meet with a variety of different sort of traditional um, strategic U.S. healthcare institutions. The type of funds that I would say would be, you know, uh, supporters of the Skylight Health story and would participate in, in the Skylight Health story, but are largely limited in their ability to play because in the U.S., of course, we're on the OTC uh, QX, which is not a market that, you know, they will or can participate in. And so over the last several months, as we started to see a, a, a bigger demand in terms of, you know, let's call it um, potential buyers on the sidelines, you know, it, it became apparent to us that, look, getting onto the NASDAQ will be a whole nother level of participation and potential buyers that could have otherwise never have played before. And uh, look, that's that's an important aspect for us. And I think it's 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 certainly a, a, you know, an important aspect for shareholders as well to see that kind of continued liquidity and, and support from institutional groups that that understand the market well. So we filed the NASDAQ application early January. 
we're not committing to any kind of timeline, but what we are saying is that it is a fully our intention to look to uplist onto the big board, onto the NASDAQ. We're doing it because of strategic intent. Um, you know, we're working with um, a fundamental group of shareholders who are significant shareholders, but have also been very successful in doing this and have outlined a capital market strategy that requires support from institutions, support from financial banks, research, et cetera. Um, you know, actually a couple of the shareholders are, are the current founders of Growgen, which is a company that's done phenomenal on the NASDAQ. And I think today they're over $60 on the close. And so, you know, they've, they've, they've demonstrated how you get from three to 60 in a, in a very similar business model that requires consolidation and value creation in a, in a different sector, not healthcare. But again, you know, we, we have a pathway that we've laid out, um, certainly a strategy that we're going to look to deploy. Um, and, you know, although we're prescriptive, we're being pretty aggressive in terms of how quick we want to move because there is a window of opportunity. And, and like I said, there's not a lot of competition where we play today. Awesome. Um, thanks for sharing all that info. You mentioned the GrowGen stock price. So, you know, this is a podcast style interview. So I'm very curious to know um, you as a CEO, are you paying attention day to day of your stock price? Um, look, I think it's important for me to recognize that, you know, part of my responsibility is, of course, uh, maximizing shareholder value, right? Now, I'm not focused on the day-to-day -day inflection of stock price. I am focused on where the stock goes, you know, uh, quarters from now, years from now, et cetera. It, the reality is I'm both a major shareholder myself as one of the founders of the company, and I've got a lot invested and, and, and I care about what that means in the long term. But I also know what the, what the future holds for Skylight Health, right? And I know that when you're a story that's continuing to grow and you're generating, you know, we've been lucky to be able to have brought those returns in the last few months based on execution. I also can see the depth of the US market, right? And I can see the potential for us is, you know, and I know sometimes hard to see this early in the game, but, you know, people might be thinking, oh, where's the next, you know, 25 million or 50 million or where can the run rate go? Well, when we look at the businesses as operators, you know, we see, we see much higher um, markers. We see half a billion in revenue. We see a billion in revenue. And we look at our comparables like Oak Street and go within a few years, if, you know, we execute well, we'll be there too. And so when, Obviously, when I when I work that back into what that means from a from a shareholder value perspective, we absolutely want to create as many opportunities for investors to get in. We want them to support the story. We want to continue to show confidence. We also want to continue to show the active runway of the company and what this company can get to long term. And for those that you know are in it for the ride, they will see value as we grow. But really, for us as as founders, it's it's what that looks like at the end of the road that's truly most attractive. So to answer your question, I'm sure we're cognizant of where the share price is, but not for any other reason other than that. You know, we just, you know, we feel like right. you know, we want to continue to build value. So. Right. So you mentioned a couple of times there talking about growth in the future plans. Do you have merger and acquisition plans, organic growth? How are you going to grow? Yeah, and look, this is this is where I kind of bring back sort of the conversations around their comps, right? And, and we mentioned GrowGen. Like, I have huge respect for these guys, and these guys have done what you know what a lot of others in sort of the consolidation space have failed to do. And this is why I see so many easy comparables to Skylight Health. You know, they, they first of all they acquire on great multiples. Skylight acquires on great multiples. Right? We pay on average, and they're bucketed. You know, deals between three to four, four to seven times EBITDA. Um, where you know the immediate value to our shareholders almost let's call it for every one dollar spent there's four to five in return right and you know that's just inorganic right case of great you can find good price deals um, that are aligned with the story you know we're disciplined in what we look for and we use cash um, the right way and so we buy these practices 
but it's really about what you build on from there. And this is where we found, especially in the US market with institutions, putting a lot of emphasis on and what companies like Rogen have done very well. You look at same store growth or in our circumstance, same clinic growth and you say, okay, well, you can buy them, you can create cost synergies, where does the top line growth come from? And this is where in Skylight Story, when you look at these medical practices that we acquire, and for years we've consulted to these types of practices, you know, there's a lot of opportunity here to create further value with the patients that they have. And whether that be through additional services or increasing the frequency of visits based on the fact that sometimes patients just don't get, call it holistic primary care, they just get treated, not actually you know, prevention-based medicine. So it's really about using technology that we've developed. We put it into these practices. We study those gaps in care. We close those gaps in care. And just by virtue of doing good by the patient, the organization continues to recognize the benefits in those additional services and those additional insurable billables and those additional opportunities to create a larger share of wallet from the patient's healthcare needs. And so there's a ton of organic growth, right? So M&A, Absolutely. Look, there's over $200 million worth of deals in our pipeline. At the end of last year was 75, you know, September was 10. So you can see this thing continues to grow and our capability and ability to ingest these acquisitions will grow. But organically, it's really the ability for us to take that revenue and go 2X, 3X, 4X on top of what we bought it for that when you look back a few years later and you say, well, you might've paid three times EBITDA or five times EBITDA, but really now it was like one and a half to two times EBITDA. So, you know, it's, it's where can you continue to extract more value and growth while you continue to capitalize on the fact that this is still a fragmented marketplace. Awesome. Um, fantastic. So tell us a little bit more about the management team that you have around you. Um, so, you know, first of all, I'll talk to the two founders, both myself and my other co-founder, Kash Qureshi, and we came working together about, call it 10, 11 years ago, um, and we met back in sort of our practice management days where we both had the opportunity to work together, consult with medical practices, get to know sort of the landscape collectively together and build that experience. And when we started this company about five years ago, sort of brought that experience here. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of tried, tested and true methodologies behind what we're developing and what we're building. Um, and we're also lucky enough to have, you know, a, a talented set of staff that have come almost from sort of early days all the way through to where we are today and have continued to evolve and build a business. Um, I'm also very excited about the fact that we're now at an inflection point in the organization where we recognize that in order to get from, say, you know, today we're at about a 45, 46 million dollar annual run rate revenue to 100 to 500 to a billion, um, it takes a certain amount of structure and experience to deliver that. And so we've been I'm fortunate enough now to, to find some really, really strong candidates and you know, one that, you know, some that we'll be announcing quite shortly um, that'll be joining us. And I would almost put this as call it institutionalizing our org chart and bringing experience from what would have otherwise have been major US health systems now down to Skylight. They can see what it looked like at the finish line, wanna be part of that journey on the way up there, but recognize all those pieces that need to come together strategically, but also operationally so that as you continue to acquire you can continue to execute, you can continue to build organic value within um, and successfully build a brand that I think everybody really and truly wants to be part of. So, um, you know, we're, we're going to continue to evolve this management team, continue to build on the talent, um, but, uh, you know, in a way that I just feel is going to continue to um, get stronger for, for all stakeholders involved. Brilliant. Okay, so I'm going to turn this over now to some of the Twitter and Instagram questions that were written in. Um, for those that are unaware, it's SHG 
Skylight Health Group trading on the TSX soon, hopefully to be on the NASDAQ. So I'm going to read off a couple of questions that came in. First ones, plans on upcoming financing rounds to keep up the momentum and enable execution on bigger deals in the pipeline. Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been opportunistic, and look from a from a financing perspective, the last three financings we've done have always been, you know, in a fashion to say non dilutive capital or reduce the level of dilution while increasing the value in the business. And, and I'll say we've raised about maybe over close to about twenty seven million dollars in the last uh, four or five months, um, all at varying equity levels up to a dollar. And we've been, you know, especially cognizant of the structure we do in these deals, common share only, you know, staying away from sort of overhang on the stock. Um, and as we look at capital deployment, we've been able to probably spend about half that now and have acquired about 30 or $32 million worth of annual revenue in organic. And so, you know, from a capital allocation perspective, we're about a one to two to one to $3 million return on every, 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 every million spent. So um, after the last transaction we've announced a few weeks ago closes, I mean, we're still, we still have about $12, $13 million of cash on hand. And so there's enough dry powder here to say, go after another 20 to $30 million of deals in our pipeline without really needing to consider any other financing alternative. Um, again, we've stayed away from any kind of leverage so far. That certainly starts to maybe become an opportunity for us, especially as we now have more active conversations with more traditional uh, uh, debt lending credit facilities. Um, but again, I mean, we, we, we're, we're cognizant of how we finance and structure some of these deals. You know, also the currency continues to get stronger. It's also becoming more attractive. We're also looking for larger organizations where you want to start aligning some of that management long-term, where in the smaller transactions, you're okay if, if the original founders and management don't want to stick around. We have the capacity to do, you know, uh, equally or sometimes better job than, than previous management. And so, um, there's a whole bunch of options as we continue to go. Look, the easiest thing to say is we're always opportunistic, but at the right price and at the right consideration of what's in our pipeline and what we need to do. Even the last round that we did was 12 million that we raised and was I think over 25 in demand, but we held firm. We said, no, we didn't need it. We knew exactly what we needed to get to the next inflection point. And I think that's just the discipline we'll keep going with. Awesome. Uh, when can we expect Q4 2020 earnings and any info on the number of people who have signed up for the subscription telehealth program? Yeah, so Q4 I know is is sort of under works right now with the auditors. Um, you know, I'll have a better timeline on that once they get through some of the early diligence work on it. Um, in terms of subscription numbers, I'd say we're probably within the low thousand digits numbers now at this point. Um, it's still a pilot program that continues to evolve um, ups and downs based on sort of learnings in the industry. Um, the, you know, the, the positive news is it's been tremendously well taken and the kind of feedback we receive on the program is sometimes unbelievable just on the fact that it's just not common to see a program at 200 bucks a year being offered, uh, you know, really without any kind of hidden fees or programs behind it. And so, you know, the, the feedback has been phenomenal. Um, we're careful how quickly we're scaling it only because we want to make sure capacity can catch up. But again, you know, we think it's a it's an excellent complementary offering to the core business that we're in, and a way for us to both do well by patients, but also create an opportunity for future insurable services as these patients eventually fall under one of the insurable categories. Okay, thank you. Uh, regarding the Gather Med RPM tools, when do you expect to be fully converted within the qualified part of the patient roster? And how likely is it that all the qualified will convert? Uh, Follow-up question, could he, Brad, uh, touch on unit 
economics of the product? Yeah. So we went to pilot um, actually just last week. So the, the pilot was in, it was, was uh, sort of, I think at the end of last year or January, um, we announced the partnership with GatherMed just for the hypertension-based product alone. And we committed to launching it with, with a small subset of patients. I think it was about 20 or 30 patients out of our Washington clinic. And we wanted to take it through sort of the testing to ensure that, you know, the, the right, let's call it recipe was developed for success. And so we went live on last Monday. I think it was patients started receiving the devices. Um, I think it's about a 30 day trial. We're going to look here to see how this program goes. Um, you know, so the patients consented. So in terms of conversion, it's really consenting. Um, at the end of the day, the product is free for the patients. It's, it's sponsored on behalf of Skylight. Um, so if a patient is wanting to do it, they're happy to consent to it. I mean, pr the provider is fully on board and sees this as a huge value add for their patients. So again, it, it is a product that has been well thought out, but also, you know, it is something that is, is, is going to be supported by the medical community as well. So we see this as being a relatively strong, call it, uh, consenting process by patients just because it is it is a product that the clinicians are endorsing. It is a product that should be done by the patient for better health outcomes. Um, and it's a product at no cost to the patient either. So in terms of conversion, you know, we expect a good amount, but again, we're, we're going through the process just to work out all the little kinks, make sure that when we scale this across, not just the Washington Clinic roster of patients, but we can now take it to Florida and Tennessee and Colorado um, and Massachusetts and the other states where it's applicable for um, we'll also see a pretty strong return. It also will formulate um, sort of the product map for other um, conditions as well. And so right now we're looking at other areas like diabetes, for example, where other types of products, whether it's GatherMed or other products could be suitable for patients in a remote patient monitoring environment. So how do you market to new patients? Uh, so every clinic we acquire has their own sort of let's call it mix of brand loyalty and um, brand awareness. And the nice thing is, is because Skylight's entering through an established patient base, um, there's an existing brand awareness in every market we go to. And these clinics have been around for 15 to 20 years plus. Uh, so these, these practices have a natural, attrition, a natural, natural sort of aggregation of new patients based on just their existing locations and, and word of mouth, et cetera. And word of mouth in a practice is always one of the strongest forms of patient recruitment. Um, and uh, that's, that'll continue to happen. Now, you know, they do very little in terms of actual social media and digital advertising. So that is something that we can bring to it in terms of how we leverage their online presence, um, how we can drive volume through sort of a larger national network and approach uh, PR and media, for example. And so these will be new, call it digital tools of advertising that are relatively unused by most practices today that have just marketed on word of mouth. Um, and there's also the value in terms of having network approach, right? And so when you start to accumulate strength in markets, and of course, that's our plan is to build density in every region that we're in as well. So it's not just one location in every state, but build density, you start to build a stronger presence just based on that network effect. Um, so there's a few different tools we'll use for new patient acquisitions. Um, one of the beauty of Skylight Health's model, of course, is it doesn't rely on new patients in terms of organic value-based growth. It really relies on the ability to see better value from existing patients. And so again, we're not starting a practice from scratch. We don't have to wait 18 months to two years to get to that, call, call it critical mass. We're buying practices that already have roster sizes of 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 or more in patients that have an opportunity to just to see more value from, from their clinic. So that's 
that's really the organic growth multiplier. Um, new patients is just the additional benefit on top of that. Okay, awesome. Uh, here's an interesting question. How much have you guys paid for promotion and are the promotion being paid in shares? Are the shares vested? Yeah, so I don't have the exact number. I know in the last, uh, we issued a press release uh, a few months ago, I think it was where we announced that there were some, uh, some, some groups that we had signed on for sort of promotion on that front. Um, and this was all sort of a natural occurrence. Look, Skylight Health has evolved from a, from a platform that had little to no market awareness. And we recognized that. And for a large part, our focus was just profitability, profitability, profitability. And once we got there, we had a business model that could now be focused on execution for growth. And we've been delivering that. So for us, you know, really having awareness, people get to know who the company is, was really critical. Making sure that execution fell on the right set of eyeballs and in terms of the right investor groups. And you know, we've been fortunate that growth has resulted in further institutionalization of our cap table. We now have three research analysts in Canada covering the stock. We expect to have a couple of more come on board this quarter. Um, and you know, we look forward to research potentially on the US side. And so we've really come a long way in terms of call it generating a market for our, our, our shares today and, and seeing that liquidity grow significantly, which again, you know, from my perspective, it's not about the day-to-day -day inflection points, but building a strong foundation, whether that foundation is on the capital market side or that foundation is on the organizational side. And we look at this long-term and say, we need a healthy business that has a market, but also the fundamentals that will continue to execute against that for the market to appreciate. So um, any kind of promotion that we do tends to have either a timeline behind it, or you know, in terms of VEST, I, you know, again, performance in terms of future gains isn't something that's easy to predict by anybody. And I don't like that as a metric. I like performance against deliverables. And so as long as we're getting the deliverables tied to performance, that's how we incentivize anybody. That's how we are incentivized as management as well. Awesome, thank you, Brad. So just so everyone's aware, uh, Fit, myself, are not paid for any promotion. Today's video is based off of the demand of some of our Fit family members and of course our Twitter community. So let's move on to our next question here is, since the clinics are not being renamed after Skylight Health, are you considered more of a medical insurance company? No. So um, the nuance of language is, although still continuing to evolve in our, call it uh, dictionary of, of words we understand and use. Um, no, we're not, we're not an insurance company um, and are, are actually trying to be as clear away from that as possible. Um, we are, however, you know, looking at opportunities to provide what's called this sort of services under managed care, which is you know, capitation at its best. So instead of being paid every time a patient comes in, you have the ability to say, pay us X amount per year, and we will provide care to this patient in this. But that, that amount comes from one of the insurance companies. And so it's a type of contracting that exists that allows us to, say, create a more uh, repeatable and predictable form of revenue, and sometimes can be quite lucrative, right? And some organizations that provide this type of model to at-risk patients and can be up to $15,000 per patient per year. So it can be quite significant. Um, in terms of the rebranding efforts, uh, part of the value add that Skylight brings, and this is how we differentiate from these health systems, is you know, when you when you get acquired by a health system, you sell it, you move your practice, you move into this big building, you become part of a large organization, and then and sort of that personalization goes away. But what's built these practices until now has been that brand loyalty. And so why would you want to get rid of that? It's not important that a patient knows that Skylight Health was here. What's important is the patient knows that Skylight Health can bring this value to them. And so we like the fact that these clinics maintain their brand, they maintain their autonomy, 
Um, and we bring everything behind it. It's powered by Skylight, right? It's, it, it, it's, it gives you the ability to get more. And, and that's really what we want people to know about. So, um, you know, so yes, keep autonomy. No, not an insurance company, but participate in services that insurance companies will pay a higher premium for. Awesome. So earlier we touched on the NASDAQ listing and I forgot to circle back on the fact that the share price won't qualify as yet. Um, talk to us about reverse split. Yeah, I mean, we, we certainly put that notice out there when we uh, when we obviously put our notice out for the shareholders meeting coming up in February to approve a reverse split or up to a certain amount for the reverse split. Um, there's no guarantee that A, it's happening or B, to what extent it needs to happen. Um, share price is one consideration and, and there's a number of different factors. And like I said, we're being we're being walked through the service and, and, and of course doing it with, with full awareness with those that have performed this model successfully and, and, have, and have resulted in a very successful outcome for shareholders, not just immediately, but long-term. So we're, you know, we're certainly gonna heed advice from, from those that are gonna be bringing that level of expertise to the table. There's other considerations in terms of float, uh, in terms of where institutional investors like you to be, if they're going to come in and start to participate in a big one. We're not talking about sort of smaller institutions. We're talking about fundamental strategic healthcare institution groups that will buy big amounts of shares and support the company long-term. And so, you know, we're, we're cognizant, like I said, there's no commitments made yet to date. Um, share price is one metric to, to look at this. But again, it's not about what we look at, call it the first 30 to 60 days after listing. No, this is about what the NASDAQ can bring to Skylight Health in terms of liquidity, in terms of access to capital, in terms of access to deal flow, and really the ability to get to that billion dollar revenue mark in a, in a much more aggressive, but yet um, planned out method. Okay, for clarity, the, you mentioned the shareholder meeting on February, what's the date? I think it's the 22nd, sorry. 22nd. Did you indicate, and I don't have this information offhand, the potential of what the reverse split might be? In terms yeah, of so the it's ratio? Up, to a, up to a five to one. Five to one, okay, thank you. Um, future outlook, short-term one-year milestones, they have, and five-year milestones. Yeah, so we, uh, in the short-term, um, we obviously wanna continue this sort of rhythm of M&A activity. And we've been pretty active the last four months. Now we've also been increasing the size and value of deal flow. And uh, there's quite a lot that we're trying to work through still in the pipeline. So M&A is going to continue to be, I'd call it a short to medium term initiative. I think it's long term just based on sort of the, the, the length of fragmentation in the space and the amount of consolidation that's going to happen. Um, but let's say from a short-term perspective, that's kind of where we see a lot of time going. Now, at the same time, we also know that it's not just about acquiring, it's about growing that value organically. And so concurrently alongside that, which is this is why it's so important to mention sort of the strengthening and foundation of our organizational team, is bringing on that expertise to be able to execute on transition and conversion, or sorry, transition and growth of these clinics while we continue to acquire new practices as well. So, you know, certainly there'll be a huge emphasis on M&A, a big emphasis on starting to lay the foundation for cost synergies, a big emphasis on being able to understand those gaps in care so we can continue to grow um, the opportunities to our existing patients. And then from a technology standpoint, really continuing to use technology to differentiate ourselves in the market by being able to benefit from the type of information, the data we can glean on the patients and our practice so we can make better outcomes for them. So whether that be um, you know, improved models of care that can leverage more capitation or these sort of managed care programs. 
um, or being able to use information to better improve the optimization of the practices or create new digital tools for patients to experience and partner with, or partner with other leaders in the industry that are building digital tools that can help to create a better ecosystem for our patients. So there's, um, in the medium to long-term, certainly is gonna be a lot of focus on that. I'd say kind of long-term, you know, we do see the value in sort of looking at how we can commercialize in some of these insights, whether that be helping, you know, drug companies better understand efficacy of their product or the effectiveness or long-term expanded use of different drug types and therapy treatments with patients um, and contract research. We have a, we have a you know, we, I'd say whether it's looking at insights or research, I think we, we feel like it's in our, in our, in our um, sort of nature to want to contribute back to science as well. And so by being able to build a strong infrastructure of, of networks and clinics and patients, it's also the ability for us to start to give back in terms of knowledge on what's working and what's not working, which ultimately on its own is very valuable and, and call it on its own has an entire business model that isn't valued in Skylight Health today. Thanks, Brad. We have one more question from the Twitter community, but I had a follow-up question, um, more intriguing. You're in the Toronto area, so the greater Toronto area, Toronto in Canada, and your business is growing in the U.S. How are you managing that right now with COVID and not being able to travel, etc.? A lot of video calls. <laughs> like this, um, Zoom. A lot of, yeah, a lot of Zoom calls. Um, look, I think for most, not limited to me, people have recognized that you don't need to be um, on the road as many hours as you need to be. And I get far more done in a day without having to spend hours going through security and hopping on a plane. Um, that said, the business is on the US side. And, and, you know, like I said, we operate a very successful team. We have a very successful team down there, I should say. And, uh, you know, they, they continue to run the day-to-day -day operations, traveling between sites. And, you know, um, that enables us to keep building the foundation while looking for opportunities to grow both, both from a, from a capital markets perspective, as well as opportunities for M&A transactions and other partnerships. Okay. Um, do you know offhand your ticker symbol on the U.S. side for our U.S. Uh, mm -hmm. investors? S-H-G-F-F. S-H-G-F-F. Thank you. So yeah. last question. It was actually written in a couple of times. Uh, they want to know about your data collection, how it's going in the United Kingdom. Yeah. So it was an interesting uh, opportunity and it's still going actually. It continues to grow in scope and scale. So for, for those that are maybe hearing about this the first time, um, the foundation of the business five years ago was founded on the idea that sort of real world data, or let's call it um, the ability to leverage information from um, medical clinics on how treatments are working is ultimately gonna be this, call it, yeah, balloon of a value that at some point will have dollar signs attached to it and everybody will understand. And until we get there, it's about how you can collect it in the most efficient way. So when we built our technology, it was really kind of built on this notion to, you know, gather information from multiple systems, accumulate them, study the data and create the insights. And so UK was one of these unique opportunities where we had the chance to call it license our technology to another organization where largely we've been using our technology internally. And that utilization has led to some revenue opportunities. And it's, it's I think it's, it's, it's both our, um, our, our, our uh, sort of our management responsibility as well as opportunistically to see when you develop IP in your organization, and even though you've been using that technology internally, if you have IP, can you commercialize it? Can you find other ways to generate value for that? Um, it's certainly not a distraction. It's not something that suddenly says, hey, tomorrow we're gonna go and create a SaaS-based licensing business. But it's interesting to see how our platform and technology can be used in areas outside of how we use it traditionally in our own company, but ultimately also builds value in the data through the collection of that information too. So. 
Um, you know, the UK project is going successfully. Um, it's being used actively. Um, in fact, it's continued to generate more requests for adaptations and, and, and overall evolution of the technology, um, which we continue to do so. Um, and I think long-term, it's gonna create an opportunity for shareholders to see yet another opportunity for potential um, commercial value. Awesome. So that's it for all of our questions that are written in. I have one that I would like to ask you to get out to the community. Um, tell us about yourself. How did you get to this? How did you become CEO of Skylight? Tell us about your journey a little bit into the life of Brad. Yeah, it was a, it was a rock, paper, scissors game with cash. Unfortunately, he won, so I became CEO. <laughs> um, you know, the, uh, the history was almost um, full circle. I uh, started out in pre-med. Um, worked in a medical facility with the promise of getting a reference letter to med school, which is why most of us did that. Um, realized after that, I just preferred the business side of medicine. Um, and then so pursued that career, um, did my business degree, opened up, for, opened up my first practice and, you know, basically took it from there and saw internally as, a, as, a, as, a, as an owner and operator, sort of, you know, the growth of a practice that went from call it, you know, three practitioners to 20 plus practitioners. And, you know, over thousands of visits on a, on a regular basis and growing that model both profitably as well as creating opportunities for future growth, that the lack of sort of, let's call it alignment between clinical practices and business practices for other physicians. And so physicians became very good at work are and still are very good at treating patients in a room, but they spend all their time in an examination room. So who's, who's managing everything else? And, you know, when you spend all your time providing care to patients, you don't have enough time building a business. And so, you know, we, we saw an opportunity and as entrepreneurs sort of took that opportunity on to say, well, in, in the field of practice management, let doctors be doctors and let everything else be handled by business operators that understand the business of medicine. Um, and so when, you know, that opportunity presented itself in the U.S. and rather than being consultants to other practices, we said we can leverage capital to go in and actually seize this value for ourselves this time that really kind of drove us forward in this direction. But at the same time, there's a lot of commonalities that exist, even though they're quite different between the Canadian and the US market. And having played on both sides of the border kind of gives us a unique appreciation for what works in one versus the other. And we can bring that now to a market where we feel we can have a bigger impact, especially the business can have a much bigger impact just based on the virtue of size of the US market. Awesome, thanks, Brad. So yeah. we went through a lot. Um, a lot of great insights. This is the kind of stuff that the retail investor really wants, right? They, to do due diligence by just reading filings. They really want to hear from the actual company in a more laid back approach like we did today. Is there anything that you didn't get the opportunity to discuss today that you really want to get out there to investors? Um, no, I think this is a great platform. Look, it's, it's always hard sometimes in press releases and these quick videos to really unpack the details and the layers of complexity with behind a business. But, you know, I think you did a your questions were spot on and helped me sort of really focus in on where I think the key value drivers will be for the company are going to be moving forward. Look, if I'm, if I'm certainly having a chance to sort of recapture the entire conversation we had today, it's that the U.S. market is a highly fragmented healthcare marketplace. It's got a ton of opportunities. We are certainly not going to be the only players in it, but we don't need to be just based on the size of this market. Um, I think Skylight Health is just scratching the surface. It gets me up every day just wanting to make sure that we get to take another piece of that market for ourselves and for our, our shareholders. Um, and as we grow, look, this is an opportunity for, for us that lets us sleep at night because, again, we're doing, we, you can do well by doing good. And 
um, that doesn't happen a lot in every industry. So that kind of passion drives a lot of the culture behind our team. It drives a lot of culture. I think it'll drive a lot of passion in terms of growth in the future. Um, we intend to take a big market share. I mean, that's that's it. We're competitive folks and we're going to get competitive. So you know, anyone that's on for the ride, stay on for the ride. Like I said, we're, we're fundamental shareholders ourselves and we're, we're in this for the long term. Thank you, Brad. So for everybody out there, it is SHG, Skylight Health Group, trading on the TSX and on the US side, SHGFF. That's correct. That's correct. Thank you so much, Brad. Thanks for taking the time to do this with Fit. And we look forward to potentially talking to you in the future after some new milestones are hit in the company. Oh, this has been great. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Thank you.